a Bitcoin. Yeah. Bitcoiners, wow, wow, that is all I can say. This podcast with Jose Lamus of Ibex, which is a Guatemalan-based Bitcoin company, was absolutely fantastic. If you're listening to this now, the Bitcoin legal tender law in El Salvador has gone into place and Ibex has been at the center of it since the beginning. They were at the announcement in Miami. They were in position as neighbors to El Salvador and Guatemala to service El Salvador. And they are rolling out a massive network of lightning enabled point of sale terminals in El Salvador. They're trying to make this rollout of Bitcoin in El Salvador as successful as possible. They see what's happening on the ground. They are getting dirty in the trenches. And man, Jose has so much insight and his company Ibex is a true hyper Bitcoinization through and through mining to lightning company it is incredible to hear his vision. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this podcast. Please don't forget to give us those five star reviews. Don't forget to share this podcast if you liked it. But that is enough of me. Let's get into this podcast with Jose. Bitcoiners, I am super excited to bring you this podcast. I am sitting across the screen from Jose Limus, who dragged himself out of bed. He is not under perfect conditions, but he is doing this podcast for Bitcoin. We are recording right before the El Salvador legal tender law goes into place on Tuesday of this week. You should be listening to it on the day that the law comes into action. So, I think this cannot be a more timely podcast. Jose is working with and building out Ibex, which is building out a lot of the infrastructure that is going to be used across El Salvador and in Southern and Central America to take and implement Bitcoin. Jose, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have your insights. Oh, thank you, CK. Thank you for having us on your podcast. Big fans. Like they say, long-time listeners. Well, you know, long-time listener, I'm sure we are going to be having you on Bitcoin Magazine a lot more, especially once this law goes into action as the whole world is having eyes, especially the Bitcoin world, eyes on El Salvador. But before we get into what is happening in El Salvador, I want to learn a little bit more about you and I want to learn a little bit more about Ibex. So what's your story? How did you get into Bitcoin? And then how did you start Ibex and where are we going from here? Okay, so uh, I'll give you a little bit of a background first. Start off with myself. I first found out about Bitcoin in 2012. And for some dumb reason, I didn't mine it. Like I downloaded the client and everything, but just didn't get around to start mining, you know, and then just tried to buy it, but kept getting my wire transfers bounced back. That point in time, the only exchange was in MT Gox, right? So Japan wouldn't take my money. <laughs> and then after that, I kept having some Bitcoin. What attracted me to it? Everything. I like to tell people, especially guys that live in Europe, live in the US, Canada, that Bitcoin for you guys is a luxury. For us, it's more of a necessity. You have a lot of trust in your financial institutions and basically all of your institutions. Here, we really don't. And if you do, you always end up getting burned. 
So a trustless uh, money was just music to my ears. So I always was interested in Bitcoin. I was unable to purchase it in 2012, 2013. Like I said, being from Guatemala presents its challenges, not the least of it, which is that we were on the banking blacklist. So that's why our wires kept getting denied. And so at the end of the day, when I was living in Europe, in the Netherlands in 2017, I finally was able to start buying Bitcoin. And at that point, I talked with my brother, who was also very interested in Bitcoin. He was living in Mexico at the time, and we started buying and buying. And eventually, I got to a point because once you start putting a little bit of money into something, you start really learning about it, right? So we learned more, and the more we learned about Bitcoin, the more we felt it's a critical technology for us to have. And the reason being is that everything is going to go digital. You know, money's going to go digital. I would argue it already is. When you say that 97% of the world's money exists only electronically, that means money's digital now. And the big problem we see with digital money is the huge amount of risks you have when you can just get turned off by any actor, right? And the problem where probably some people don't see it like we see it is that we're riddled with incompetence here. And so giving anybody the chance to just cut you off the economy with a click of a button, right, presents a huge danger. And so for us, it's critical that Bitcoin succeeds because I'm not afraid of, let's say, somebody shutting me out of the economy with just cause, but I'm, I'm afraid of somebody shutting me out of the economy because somebody made a mistake. Let's say somebody has a similar name as me and they get confused and the other one was the bad guy. Or are we saying that now identity theft doesn't happen? What happens if my ID gets stolen with all of the database hacks now and then suddenly I'm a criminal and how are you going to defend yourself if you have no money, right? So how are you going to feed yourself? The only thing you can take is charity in the form of species. Nobody can even give you cash. So from that sense, Bitcoin for us is, is critical. And uh, once we understood this and once we figured out how Bitcoin, the important role that Bitcoin is going to play in a more fair and just society moving forward, we decided with my brother, listen, we put in all the cash we could into Bitcoin. Now we want to start working to make sure that Bitcoin has a better chance of success. And so that's how we started IBEX. Uh, we didn't really know what we were going to do. We just knew we needed to work in Bitcoin. And it started in 2017. The company was formally incorporated in Guatemala in 2018. We started basically just as an on and off ramp at the start because what we figured is if you don't have an access point, then everything else is moot, you know, doesn't matter. And then we eventually started growing, you know, at first everybody just laughed when we went to talk to them about Bitcoin. They laughed in our face like, what is this magic money you're talking about? But eventually people started believing, seeing what we saw. And we also got better at, at explaining Bitcoin and its value proposition and why it's important. 
And then in 2021, the president of El Salvador made this huge announcement, and we figured it, it was going to be a critical juncture in Bitcoin's story in the sense that I don't think it'll make Bitcoin either fail or succeed, but it could definitely delay the adoption if it's not a success. And if it is a success, then it's going to accelerate the adoption. So for us and our mission being helping Bitcoin's chances of success or adoption, we immediately moved to El Salvador and, and we figured that what we needed the most was the merchant solutions because so far, Bitcoin is really easy for the individual, but very hard for the institution or very hard for the enterprise because there's basically no solutions, no off-the-shelf solutions, so to speak. Everything that's being done right now at an enterprise level has been DIY, mostly by the same Bitcoin companies like ours that we have to develop a strategy of how to keep Bitcoin secure, how to accept it, how to move it, etc., how to keep it safe, and the chain of custody, and all of that stuff. And so it's very we, DIY right now. Yeah. Even the so, enterprise solutions are DIY. It's one small part that you have to try to figure, you know, make work with the rest of your stack. Yeah. And that's not going to fly with big corporations, which is what's going to happen right now in El Salvador. Right now, everybody like McDonald's has to have a Bitcoin strategy, Texaco, gas stations, pharmacies. So all of these different individuals have to figure out how they are able to accept Bitcoin and how they're going to use it or treat it or not use it. And so focusing on those solutions, getting corporate people and corporations comfortable and letting them know that this is nothing to be scared of. In fact, this is a huge opportunity that they're going to be presented with because being the first to adopt this technology and to have all of these access to Bitcoin is probably gonna benefit them in the long run. So amazing story. And I think you're exactly right about El Salvador. If it's a success, it will accelerate. And you brought up someone like McDonald's or these multinational companies that at least one arm of them has to really actually accept Bitcoin now. So that is an accelerant. But if it's a huge flop, it's going to definitely hurt momentum. It's going to be a stain that we have to now overcome. So I think you're right there. I'm very interested. I know that you and your team had met with Greg Foss in Miami prior to that yeah. announcement. Walk me through the play-by-play -play of you being in Miami, making these relationships, then the announcement, and then how you reacted from there. Because, you know, you were kind of there and in the thick of it, and then you actually took advantage yeah. of this. Yeah, well, we knew there was going to be a big announcement beforehand. Salvador has always been on a roadmap as a company, and a couple of our partners had gone to El Salvador a couple of weeks before the Miami conference, right? And we knew something was afoot. We just didn't know exactly what. Most of our speculation, we thought that El Salvador might be declaring that they were going to start doing research, having some treasury assets in Bitcoin. And so that's where our mind was at. So we knew there was going to be an announcement. We didn't know what. We thought it was going to be this treasury reserve strategy for El Salvador with Bitcoin. But it caught us off guard, same as everybody. 
we were lucky to make Recafasa's acquaintance. Uh, we also were able to meet with a lot of other cool people there. Some of the people we actually work with, which hadn't gotten a chance to interact directly. And so once the news broke, well, first of all, you know, we were really excited. But after the initial happiness wore off, the excitement wore off, we started just seeing all of the potential issues that could compromise the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador. And then we thought, you know, this is going to be a huge amount of work. We don't know who's actually going to El Salvador, but we have to go and see how we can help. And also knowing what our strong suit is, what we can bring to the party and get pretty much everybody on board with us as soon as possible. You know, a lot of it has been education. The funny thing about El Salvador was that nobody had any idea of what Bitcoin is. Like El Salvador was one of the most hostile places for Bitcoin. There was no exchange. People weren't interested in Bitcoin by and large. You know, outside of this very small community in El Sonte. What you're saying is obvious too. When you actually talk to the people who like don't want Bitcoin, it's funny mm -hmm. because they're exposing that they know nothing about Bitcoin based on the things that they're concerned about. Yeah. So a lot of it was just trying to get there and explain to them what Bitcoin actually is and how they can benefit from using it. And if you don't want to use it, which is the service we provide, we provide merchants a way to accept Bitcoin and, and not assume any of the volatility because we offer instant convertibility to USD with cash settlement at the end of the day. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all, I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in. They leverage it up and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoin is like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. 
Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the Deep Dive. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium market intelligence newsletter. This is a no-fluff, hard-hitting, incredible newsletter going deep into the market, helping you understand what's happening with derivatives, what's happening on-chain, what's happening in macro, what's happening with the narrative, and what's happening with the tech. My man, Dylan LeClaire, is an absolute savant. He is making his name known in the Bitcoin community, getting shout outs left and right, getting on podcasts left and right. And him and his team are bringing you everything that you need to know about Bitcoin. You don't even have to be on Bitcoin Twitter. You can ignore every other newsletter. This is the newsletter to rule them all. Go over to members.bitcoinmagazine.com. Sign up today. And if you use promo code MACRO, you get a full month for free. You have nothing to lose. What are you waiting for? Sign up, see the incredible work that Dylan and his team are putting out. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. You don't pay a dime. But if you do, you know, it's going to be well worth the sats in investment in understanding Bitcoin and gaining the confidence to continue to invest in Bitcoin and making the right moves around Bitcoin. And it's going to be well worth every single Satoshi. Again, can't recommend it enough. That is members.bitcoinmagazine.com, promo code MACRO. Do it today. So let's talk about some of these challenges. At Bitcoin Magazine, we've hosted several conversations with El Salvadorians who you know, are on the no-all-Bitcoin side of things. It sounds as though it has every sign or red flag that they don't actually know anything about Bitcoin, nor do they care, and that this is just a anti-Bukele type of a topic. It's just like if you're anti-Bukele, you're using this as like the thing to be mad about. They have said that themselves, every single person that I've spoke to. But it sounds like on Bukele's administration side, one, he can be a tough customer against people who he doesn't agree with. Two, they have done very, very little marketing and openness around this. And it seems like it's something that's just happening in the background. And there's very little education being pushed out to actually change El Salvadorian's minds about this. I'm curious what you see as the biggest hurdles here in terms of like maybe just this being something that's getting rolled out by a government, even in terms of opposition to it versus it being completely voluntary, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think right now the biggest hurdle is going to be when we hit the fiat side of things. I think it's going to work well until you want to start cashing out. Cashing out might be an issue with all of the drama surrounding correspondent banks. And even if you're in Salvador and you're the Reserve Bank of El Salvador, are you going to start to get your wires blocked? when you try to bring in $150 million into the economy from an exchange, right? So that's one of the biggest points of failure, I think. It's, the risk isn't really in the technology. I think people, once they use it, and every time we did a demo, people got excited about it because it's just a, an easier way of doing things. Bitcoin literally works and fiat literally does not work. Like yeah. the, the reality is now we just have to convince 99% of the world that that is the case, that Bitcoin actually works as money. And not only Bitcoin, like I don't know what experience you've had with Lightning CK, but Lightning is, is really, it's like magic. It takes Bitcoin and it, what I like to say is Bitcoin, the base layer 
the on-chain transaction, that's the store of value layer, right? But Lightning is the transactional layer of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin as a transactional technology is gonna change stuff. People have no idea how transformational this technology is gonna be. Because the way you can move value and the amounts of value, and I mean small amounts of value that you're gonna be able to move at lightning speed across countries, it's gonna change all of the services and products you're gonna be able to provide on a worldwide scale. And people don't realize this. Yeah, well, I personally think that the easiest framework to see the impact of Bitcoin is this book, which is The Sovereign Individual. Yeah. I'm a sovereign individual, Stan, and Massive Shill. And yeah. I personally, I would characterize the book as a book about hyper-Bitcoinization, about what happens on the other end of it. And it was so, so prescient, written in 1997, and Bitcoin predicted lockdowns, predicted manufactured whatever you want to call it, it predicted a lot of things. But I agree with you in terms of, you know, people don't understand the impact. And for me, I would say Bitcoin is a mental operating system. So when you fully give into Bitcoin and you like say, this is the future, this is sound money, and you start operating on Bitcoin, like it changes you. And the global impacts of that, I think are going to be really profound. And, you know, most people just they haven't quite picked up on the magnitude of that. I want to go back though, because we were talking about difficulties before we kind of got sidetracked by these other topics. But you were saying that, you know, when people see it, they get excited, but you know, you're really concerned about the fiat on ramps and the challenges there. Like, have you thought through the the different kind of scenarios that could happen with this log coming into pass and then the IMF or the U.S. government or any of these other parties start enacting some blocks and kind of forcing El Salvadorians <laughs> into a, a blockade? Like, what are the scenarios you've thought of around this? Well, the scenarios, like the worst scenarios is what you, you mentioned, right? Having some kind of blockade of wire transfers into the country because you're using it to settle Bitcoin transactions and they want it to fail. So that would be the biggest threat, I would imagine. Now, what kind of repercussions this could have, you know, internationally, that's another 12 cents, you know, because I don't know if it's even visible. Like, I know they, they put blockades uh, in place against Iraq and other Middle Eastern countries and Venezuela, but this have, have been basically acts of war, right? It's another way of declaring war on a country. And I don't know if you're willing to do that to a peaceful nation like El Salvador, right? But if you start doing it, that's essentially what it's going to be. What do you think the percentage possibility of that? Because I would say that a lot of detractors are fearful of something like that, of you know the people being punished for this. I hope it's low. I would hope it's less than 10% probability, but you can never rule anything out, right? But honestly, that's the biggest threat. Everything else, it should be great. And honestly, right now, as it's being implemented in El Salvador, what would happen in effect is because Bitcoin there is probably going to be held very little. A lot of people are not going to move just to Bitcoin. Like some will start to accept some Bitcoin and start to keep it in their balance sheets and that type of stuff. But it's mostly going to be used as a payments mechanism, which is where I think Lightning 
it really shines. When you start to roll out Lightning as a payments rails, as a payments mechanism, you really start to see all of the benefits that are going to be there from uh, uh, lower transaction fees. And that's the way you can actually bring in remittances into country with sub $1 fees, right? And so what that enables is, let's say your nephew is in El Salvador and it's his birthday and you could send him 10 bucks. There's no way you can send 10 bucks right now. Like right now, the problem we have with payments is that they work internationally in a very narrow band. And that narrow band is between $1,000 and around $10,000. Once you start going below that band or above that band, payments start to get really expensive and really complicated really fast. So what Bitcoin Dimension does, it allows very big payments, right? Hundreds of millions, as we've seen recently. You know, somebody moved a billion dollars, cost $12, right? That doesn't happen in the traditional financial system. And then when you go down, you start to face other issues. So right now, money works only in this 1,000 to 10,000 narrow range, if you want to go international. Locally, it depends on the country. You can widen or shorten the band, but internationally, that's basically your band. And so on-chain goes above that band and Lightning goes below that band, making it really, really easy and cheap to move money. I love that explanation. That is definitely a clip for Twitter, just that explanation of how the current international finance system works and then how Bitcoin effectively breaks the ceiling and then Lightning presents an opportunity to scale the micropayments, right? In your opinion, does Bitcoin scale? Because you know, I think that there's a lot of doubt of the scalability of Bitcoin as a layered network of money. Do you think Bitcoin scales? I think it scales wonderful. I think people are going to be surprised about how much it can scale. Let me give you an idea. It's going to scale just as well as the internet scale, right? How will the TCP IP scale? We're doing this Zoom call, conference, interview across countries with very low latency. So I think the argument Bitcoin doesn't scale is the same argument they use. The telephone companies used when they said uh, the internet couldn't use voice. Not right now, but the amount of development that's going on. And, and that's also one of the things. I see a lot of people talking about Bitcoin scalability, and they don't do any work. They're not involved in a Bitcoin company. They are not familiar with the tech. They don't even do the research, which is a shame because the information is out there. But they're speaking from a, my brother calls it Mount Stupid, right? They climb up to Mount Stupid and just start yelling. Well, yeah, there's a great graphic of Mount Stupid, and then you descend into the arc of despair when you realize you're an idiot, and then you yeah. have to slowly climb yourself back up to competency. Yeah. And so most of these people are just ignorant, and they're not working in this space. If you're working in this space, I challenge you to find anybody that's doing real work in Lightning, in Bitcoin Core, in any of the fundamental technologies that are going to push Bitcoin forward, and 
they be negative about Bitcoin scaling? I challenge you to find somebody that's negative, that actually does work. So I want to get into some of the more heady topics, but before we do, let's jump into what you think about the current situation in El Salvador. You know, on Tuesday, this becomes legal tender. You said that you think it's going to be a slow adoption process, but give us your sense of like, what's the ground like the next few months? What's that going to be? Well, first of all, it's going to be a huge stress test on the Lightning Network. Last time I checked, the Lightning Network had around $150 million tied up. And just El Salvador is going to try to be pushing $150 million, right? Day one, they're going to be airdropping 30 bucks. So we are basically talking about doubling the Bitcoin network's capacity in a very short amount of time, at least the Lightning Network's capacity. Lightning also is not a technology without issues. Right now, 90 days, we done our best to iron out most of the issues we identified, but it's still an experiment, right? So thankfully, Lightning is a good technology in the sense that money isn't lost. The worst thing that can happen is failed transactions, but to actually be able to be seen as a good payment rails, you need to push the success rate upwards of 95%, if not 99%, right? So that's going to be the biggest challenge on the technical side. How do we move this experimental technology lightning into a production environment at a country wide scale? Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the Texas Blockchain Summit put on by the Texas Blockchain Council. This conference is all about Bitcoin and man, their lineup is absolutely spectacular. Cynthia Lummis, Hester Pierce, Warren Davidson, Nick Batia, Alex Gladstein, Will Cole. That is just the tip of the spear. There are so many big names going to be a part of this event. The Texas Blockchain Council is doing an absolute incredible job, and they are 100% focused on Bitcoin and self-sovereignty that comes from adopting Bitcoin. The most sovereign place in America is Texas. Austin is the capital. October 8th is the place. Go to the Texas Blockchain Summit. You can save a beautiful 25% if you use code BTC in all caps. That is the special code for the Bitcoin Magazine audience. Use code BTC. Save 25% off your ticket. Don't miss it. This is going to be absolutely sick. Bitcoiners, let's take a break from the content. And I want to tell you about Coolbix. Coolbix is an awesome Bitcoin hardware wallet that has been around for a really long time. They are building an amazing Bitcoin wallet called the Cool Wallet Pro. The Cool Wallet Pro is state of the art Bitcoin hardware wallet technology. Its form factor is like a credit card. You can put it into your wallet and it is designed to go with you on the go. So that way, even when you're on the go, you can have the benefit of a two-factor hardware wallet design when you're trying to spend your Bitcoin. So you can have your Bitcoin wallet UX on your phone and make it really easy to scan, decide what you want to do. But then you sign with a cool bit X, which is in your back pocket. It is tamper proof. It is waterproof. It is flexible. It has an awesome secure element in it. 
And it is a really awesome way in order to have some more flexibility, yet security when you're taking your Bitcoin on the go. I personally am a fan of this idea of making Bitcoin into a medium of exchange and making it into something that people use. I know it's going to take time, but they are working on the UX for making that possible in as secure a way possible. So have some peace of mind. Check out the Cool Wallet Pro from CoolBix. And yeah. Thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. In your honest opinion, you know, I'm seeing a lot of centralized solutions being rolled out, right? And I think that that's going to really create a much better chance of having a good experience using Lightning as a payments rail. But do you think in the long run, the typography of the Lightning Network within El Salvador, do you think it's controlled and dominated by centralized companies and the government wallet? Or do you think that it is something that, you know, there's going to be a strong open source lightning network there as well. I'm kind of curious what you think. Okay. I think of lightning similar to email. I'll throw this out there because I forgot to mention it. Lightning to me is what email was to the internet. So lightning to Bitcoin is what email was to the internet. It's the killer app, right? But just like right now, everybody could host their own email server in their house or whatever. You know, the tech is there. Right now we have 24-7 availability, broadband. You could have your own email server, right? Nobody actually does it. But you have a bunch of companies that offer this product. So the decentralization in Lightning, I think, in the future is going to look a lot like email service providers. You're going to have some big players And I'm probably thinking you're probably going to have around 100 to 200 really good lightning service providers, let's call them that, who are going to handle the bulk of the routing and the payments on the lightning channel. And then you're always going to have the offshoot of the random person who sets up his own channel. But that's going to be very few people that are going to be interested in doing that because just the other part just bring so many benefits to have dedicated lightning infrastructure people managing it. Yeah, I could see that. I definitely think that there's a very strong incentive to actually host your own node versus with email, Mm -hmm. that incentive is much less. So I don't know if it's going to be one-to-one just because money is money, right? And like in the current setup right now, your infrastructure engineer is also Mm -hmm. effectively the person who manages your treasury when it comes to the lightning network. So It's a pretty deep rabbit hole to go through, like how that pans into the future and what the incentives are for someone to do it themselves, right? Because when something's important, the incentive for you to do it yourself is a lot higher as well. Yeah, I understand. But just the challenge is that running a a node and a channel, it brings you its own sets. And and if you want to be using Lightning, what we say is kind of like this. You'll keep your money on chain, right? like your savings account or your checking account, whatever, that's going to be on chain. But then you're going to be depositing into your Lightning wallet, like the wallet you carry around right now, right? Like when you take money from the ATM and to have walking around money, it's going to be a two-part solution, you know? You keep your money on chain and then when you want to go spend it, you'll move a little bit of funds to Lightning and then you'll take it from there. You don't need to be enlightened the whole time. And here, the cool thing is that versus right now, which is, let's say, internationally, you have 
at Monopoly, you have Swift, right? So that's one payment. And then for smaller payments, you have Visa MasterCard. Compare that with the hundreds of solutions that you're going to have in Lightning. So although it doesn't feel decentralized, there's going to be enough competition that it is going to act decentralized. I totally agree. And I think Lightning is going to eat proprietary payment networks as well. So I think Visa and MasterCard and Square and PayPal are going to be forced to adopt Lightning as the cutting edge standard of value transfer. So the Lightning network is going to be incredible, but at the same time, seeing how it actually plays out in the incentive structure and what Bitcoin does to the incentive of self-hosting, I think is something that we need to take into account when we look into the future. I'm curious, are you familiar with the idea of Gresham's law? Yeah. So Gresham's law pretty much says that good money drives out bad money. It's usually misquoted in terms of good money drives out bad money in general, but the law itself is actually talking about in legal tender laws. Like that's what Gresham meant when the law was spoken or thought up or conjured. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really see El Salvador as like a modern reprise of Gresham's law in action. And I'm kind of curious if good money drives out bad money, AKA everyone will want to save in Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, accept Bitcoin, and eventually everyone will want to spend and get rid of their dollars as quickly as possible. Have you thought about how that could play out in like, let's call it the medium to long-term in El Salvador, since it does have dual legal tenders, both USD and Bitcoin? Yeah, well, here there's two things. One is Bitcoin's volatility at work, right? One is Bitcoin's volatility, and then the other, the part of Gresham's law. So in the medium to long term, we expect to see Bitcoin start to get used more for long term reserves. There's some very interesting uh, strategies that you could put in place as a corporation. And we've talked about this with some of our clients about letting them know that there are things like futures, there are things like options where you can get exposed to the upside of Bitcoin without necessarily assuming a huge risk with volatility and how this could be incorporated into their treasury reserves strategy. And so in it's going to start making an appearance more as a savings technology, I believe. But transactionally, I think the dollar is still going to be king. It's what most people are going to be comfortable pricing their products and services in. And that's going to be that way until Bitcoin's volatility goes way down. And for that, we need Bitcoin's price to go way up from where we are right now. So I think we still have a couple more years for five years more where the dollar is going to be the primary transactional currency. Bitcoin will see more inroads as a savings currency. Is there a world where you see Bitcoin in El Salvador specifically, where you see Bitcoin taking over as both the store of value and the medium of exchange, but people still use dollars as a unit of account reference? Right. Because theoretically, you don't actually need dollars. You can denominate in dollars like mm -hmm. this laptop costs this many dollars converted to sats at that time. And then you could use Bitcoin as both the medium of exchange and the uh, store of value. I'm just kind of curious if, your thoughts there. I think if that happens, you stop using dollars. It just okay. doesn't make any sense to still like you probably have it. Let's say when you want to. You know, if you're exporting goods or importing goods, you probably have to do your equivalency. But it's more like 
right now in the US, you don't use euros, right? And in Europe, you don't use dollars, but at some point you exchange it. Yeah, I don't know. I think the dollar is just different than euros, but we don't have to debate this stuff. I just always have these ideas in my head. Yeah. So I think that we've covered quite a bit. We haven't really covered IBEX in mm-hmm. detail and the technology that you're building. You started saying in Guatemala, you rolled out an on and off ramp in El Salvador, you're working on point of sale. Can you just walk us through the stack of products that are under IBEX and maybe even kind of give us a preview of what your future vision is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, right now, like I said, we started off as an on and off ramp. So basically offering BTC, USD, GTQ convertibility. GTQ is our currency, Quetzal. And so then after that, we started doing the same experiments most people are. We don't like our customers to cash out of Bitcoin. So we offer B2B loans in case they have some kind of liquidity crunch. We've been asked by other customers to do some APY products. So we're also rolling those out. We're also developing right now. We're going to be launching in the next couple of months, the first Bitcoin mining operation at scale here in Guatemala. So we're starting with a pilot project of 600 kilowatts, which I know is not much in the grand scheme of things, but it's uh, more a proof of concept so that more people get incentivized. We have a lot of untapped hydro energy here that's already installed. The dams are already built. The generator is already ready to go. And for some reason or, or another, they haven't been able to connect with the electrical infrastructure. So. We're focused on that as well. And more recently, the Bitcoin payment terminal, which offers merchants an easy way. It's a portal where they can accept and generate Bitcoin payment terminals that they can export to any mobile device and start charging their customers in Bitcoin and receive dollars or Bitcoin as they see fit. So we have a slider where they can set how much Bitcoin or how much dollars they want to receive as a percentage. And to the future, we're basically in a similar boat as Strike in which we want to drive the cost of convertibility to zero. So we're also working on a more retail-based solution similar to a wallet, but not quite. But that should be here by maybe Q1 next year. That's like a hosted wallet or a custodial wallet. No? It, no. It's it's a like break that down a little bit, or is it like, well, can you? Yeah. The idea is basically the following. You want to make everything seamless, right? So far, the user experience, though it's been getting better for Bitcoin, it's still a little bit difficult to get in. So we want to do a solution where sending and receiving Bitcoin is as easy as sending and receiving a text. And also moving between Bitcoin and your local currency is as simple as just pushing a button. And then finally, the idea here is that eventually you're able to have your wallet balance denominated in any type of currency, be it BTC, USD, GTQ, Euros, any type of currency that you feel comfortable using. But then when you go to pay at any payment terminal that's lightning enabled, you don't have to do any of the conversion, right? So you just go, you have your euro wallet, you pay, and it gets deducted and everything happens seamlessly and all the payments happen in the 
lightning protocol. Awesome. That's an awesome vision. When I think of a full stack Bitcoin financial institution, I think mining all the way to lightning and your Ibex is the first company maybe that is actually doing that from top to bottom. I'm very interested in the mining portion. Are you going to those hydro facilities directly that are not connected to the grid yet and plugging in? Like what's the initial hash rate getting plugged into? Well, Right now, the, the pilot project is going to be done actually at a wind farm, which is where we're going. But we have reached out to the hydro guys directly. However, they don't believe in it. So we found the wind farm guys who actually believe in the project, who understand the concept that this is just like another customer, right, for electricity. But it's a customer that's going to pay you, what, 45 cents per kilowatt hour? right? Approximately. So that's way more than most other customers you have. And so the idea is once we have this up and running, all of these stranded hydroelectric power is going to get activated because we can go with numbers and say, listen, this is how much you're going to get. No, totally. And numbers speak for themselves. And I think Bitcoin and energy production is a match made in heaven. Like Bitcoin mining and energy production is going to be huge. It's a massive part of the revolution that people don't grasp onto. Jose, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. You are deep in hyper-Bitcoinization, it seems like. I'm going to want you back on Ibex. You're clearly doing amazing, amazing stuff. And I love the vision. And I'm very excited for uh, the future of Bitcoin in El Salvador with this new law enacted. Yeah, we're excited too. And yeah. More than happy to come on anytime you want. All right. Well, Jose, why don't you give the Bitcoin Magazine audience a quick show? Who do you want to hear from? Where can people find you? What's your last words? Okay. Yeah. People can find us at ibexmercal.com. They can also follow us on Twitter at ibex underscore mercal. And we have Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Right now, we've not been very active on social media just because we've been under such a demanding time pushing the solution for El Salvador. But yeah, feel free to reach out to us in any of our channels and we'll be sure to respond. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Jose. Where can people follow you? Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter and basically that's it. So at J-L-Limus, J-L-L-E-M-U-S. So if you yeah, find you, guys heard- Ibex, you, you probably find me and vice versa. Amazing. Well, you heard the man. All the links that he just said will be in the show notes. Follow Jose. Follow me at CK underscore snarks. Follow Bitcoin Magazine at Bitcoin Magazine. Give us those five-star reviews. Share the show if you liked it. Guys, you know the drill. Keep stacking tats. Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah.